Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mod. As we turn the page to November 1st in college soccer, this is College Soccer Nation. I'm Marty, one of your hosts. Hey, Chris Petroselli is with us. We call him Rico. Chris, I'm all fired up. I'm down here on the beach ready for a little conference tournament action, as I know you're headed quickly to Tampa for some conference tournament action. It is that time of year, isn't it, Marty? It right? is. The leaves is. are turning. The yep. candy is all gone. Giving out all the candy. <laughs> we ate all the candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's and all now gone. it's time for conference tournaments. You know, Back in 1985, maybe 86, 87, yep. my high school coach used to say, back in upstate New York where it's cold, there's nothing better than playing soccer in November because you're playing in the playoffs. That's How right. awesome is it? It's playoff time. Let's go. Yeah, you know, you think about it like there are a lot of teams who are done playing. Yeah. So if you're still playing, you're just happy that you're playing. You know, you get another game. Yeah, no, I mean, a couple of weeks now some teams have been done, which is – yeah. Sad and disappointing for them, but certainly it's really exciting all throughout the country as these conference tournaments are, are kicking up. There's a game on right now, actually. So Yeah, uh, they're, they're it's, going on. Uh, it's, it's, a fun t- it's a really fun time of year for your team, and you just want to hang in as long as you can and, and chase a trophy. So it is a fun time of year, um, but we both did not have a fun week. <laughs> we did not, Chris. We did, we did not. <laughs> My team got smashed. By Memphis. I mean, smashed. Like, not even the game was over before it started. Um, and you had a rough one as well, yeah? Yeah, going down into enemy territory, down to the, the home of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and couldn't get it done. Lost 3-2. Credit to James and his staff. They did a really good job against us. We gave up three goals and, and lost 3-2 in a pouring down rain, miserable night in Starkville, maybe one of the most miserable I've ever had down there. So um, it was a painful way to end the season, but we're rejuvenated back. And here we are in Orange Beach, which I think is the best conference tournament setting in all of college soccer. Um, So we're excited to be here as a three seed and and we take on Alabama tomorrow. That should be, uh, that should be a fun one. I would, uh, this is how bad it was for us. I would have taken a miserable night in Starkville and losing 3-2. <laughs> that would have been an upgrade. Because we lost uh, by five, and it was never, ever close on a rainy night in Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, a rainy well, night, and, and Matt, you know, sometimes Memphis is not the safest place. Sure. There were gunshots going off in the background. Oh, wow. like crazy during a game. Wow. <laughs> um. You know, and, and listen, let's keep it real. Memphis is kind of rolling, right? Oh, they're they, doing great. They, they, yeah. Guys, and then they beat UCF on Sunday. And yeah, um, they, they are kind of hitting it, hitting it right at the right time, it looks like, anyway. So, yeah, they, they're, they're such an interesting group because they were really good early on and they went through a stretch where they were just miserable. And then they met us and we, we were the, uh, <laughs> we solved it all for them. We snapped them back into, snapped them back into shape. That's yeah. nice of you. That's nice yeah. of you to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a big show tonight. Excited about it. Paul Jobson from uh, Baylor will join us here in a little bit. We're excited to talk to him. Unfortunately, his team lost yesterday, last night to, to West, 
West Virginia in a very good game. And then the Is it okay if I ask him about that, Matt? That's up to you, Chris. That's a tough question to ask. <laughs> I'm going to ask him. Tough. All right. Yeah, again, we think who's the nice guy and who's not. It's pretty simple, pretty <laughs> clear for the questions. But um, And then Power 5, we felt like we both uh, both got beat up pretty good. So what – and not that these were the biggest upsets ever or even upsets, but our Power 5 is greatest sports upsets, right? Yes. There were a number of them around around the country. In, in yeah, that was it. It was really upset – week almost between between last uh, Monday now. So that'll be fun. All right. It's time for uh, the big deal. Who's coming to us live from uh, Boca Raton, Florida, the host of the conference USA championship. He is in um, getting ready to play on Wednesday. I think Brian, right? That is correct, Matt. And the only place I'd rather be than Boca might be orange beach, but Boca is a a very tight second for these conference. Yeah. That's not a bad place to be, Boca. Hey, you need to go by Chris. What's that pizza place we always go to in Boca? Nick's. Nick's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that that's actually better than Orange Beach. Nick's just by Nick's by itself. You know yeah, it, Brian, right? I, yeah, I do know it. I do know it. But I, yeah, I'm I'm not calling it. <laughs> you know, it's but you know what's funny, Chris, is we always go to Nick's when we go down. There's one of our first yes. stops. And Brian always gets like pasta or a salad. God forbid. I don't think pasta. There's too many carbs in that. Yeah, that's probably He true. finds probably. there's some salmon they have or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Brian, welcome to the show. College Soccer Nation is on. And, Chris, we are rolling in here to segment two. What do we got for Brian? Well, actually, what we have, Matt, is we would like to – Brian and I would like to ask you some questions. Um, okay. About the tournament selection process. Okay. okay. So, um, I know that uh, – you know, Monday selection day, it's, it's, uh, it's coming up just a, a week from now. So I know that the committee will be doing some work between now and then. So we want to hear about how this whole thing works. So tell me um, this week forward between now and, and when the announcement is made, what happens? What do you do? Oh, I don't want to get too, I don't want to bore our listeners too much, but there's certainly a lot of work being done. Um, you know, there are five um, regions that are all have regional advisory committee members. All of those have, so every conference in the country is represented in one of those five regions. So for example, the five, I'm in chair of one of my five guys on my committee. Um, They all sent me in a top 10 as they've done all year, every two weeks, they've done all year, a top 10 who they think is the top 10 teams in our region. And then um, I, calculate it, tabulate it, and we come up with a 10. And then we meet, we meet tomorrow morning, actually at 9 a.m. And we go over that top 10 and we come up with a consensus or as close as we can as everybody agrees on our top 10. But then also as we get later in the season, like for this week, we have a top, um, we have a top um, 45. Uh, so a national top 45. So we will, that group will come, will all, they've all turned into me a top 45. I will calculate that. And then we'll come up, we'll submit to the rest of the regions a top 10 and a top 45. Then on Wednesday morning, we meet as a national committee and we go over and we, we kind of go over everybody's top 10. So that's what's going on this week. So we, by the end of the week, we will have what everybody has deemed as their top 10 for the region. And then also a national top 45. We've broken up in 15 teams that we think are under consideration to be seated. 15 teams that we feel very confident are in the tournament. 
and then 15 teams that are are heavily looked at as we go into selection weekend. And those are those are 15 teams that obviously aren't automatic qualifiers. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah just straight and, the top and, 45 teams that we think in the country. Yeah. And then uh, you meet as a group starting when? So the other thing about the top 45 is it's pretty interesting because there's lots of variation to that 45 based on regional. It really is. It's pretty interesting to me. Uh, but, you know, we all do have access to the RPI that shows strength of schedule and, and all of the different scores and how they've done against top 25, top 50, 50 to 100, then 100 plus. So that's certainly very helpful. But we, uh, we all land on Saturday uh, early afternoon into uh, Indianapolis. Those of us that could be still playing, if, for example, if we if we're able to get to our final, we, I will not go. I'll, I'll call in. But Saturday afternoon, we get together. If, say, I'm not in, um, we will – there's 10 of us. We'll get together in the Indianapolis offices. Um, it's a great, great, great room. It, it's a dream for anybody that likes sports because there's TVs – the, the entire room is filled with TVs um, and links to all the games that are going on. We all have a double computer screen that we sit at, and then we start to um, we start the process of selection. Selection. And so, give me break it down even even further, Matt. Like exactly what do you do? So we we go through and we list. I think it's sixty five. So we go through. It's almost like a scantron, right? Where you bubble who you think are the top 65 teams in the country, all 10 of us. So we bubble that and, and we, we submit it. It's all computerized. So we submit it. Um, once it's submitted, anybody that's on all 10 of those um, ballots is automatically put into the field. Okay. So for example, last year's 45, I think there were nine teams that all 10 of us had consensus that we're in. So we put those in and then we just start whittling it from there. So then, so say nine of the 10 had these next, we do in groups of eight, right? So you go through this group of eight, you say, okay, we're going to try and put in four, pick your top four out of these eight. And then they go in and then just whittles down from that. Um, but that's a process that takes a long time. So when we get that group of eight, we'll dissect those eight teams, right? So those eight teams we think are kind of together. So we'll pull up their team sheets. We'll talk about them um, and, and we'll kind of whittle it down from then we'll vote. And then if we vote and there's a consensus that all everybody agrees this team should be in, then they, they get put into the process. And that's where this is. Let me just say this about it. That's where it gets a little skewed on the RPI and who gets to host and who doesn't get to host. So here's a perfect example. A number of years ago, Alabama's RPI number was higher than Clemson's RPI number. Okay. But, our, but Clemson was the host site. Well, Clemson went into the field before Alabama. So it wasn't just, it's not based on one through 32 RPI. It's based on when you get selected into the field by the committee. Okay. Matt, I have Hi, a question for, for you about that is, yeah. so are you saying when you guys get together, the first time you make your 65 teams, only nine or 10 get in? I can't remember the number, Brian, but it's not many. It's not more than it's not more than – it's not much more than that. Yeah. yeah. Now, last year was only 45, remember? Oh, true. Sure. But, no, it was not, it's not like it's 20. Wow. It's not like it's 20. I know. Yeah. That'll take some time then. Yeah. Because my guess would be 30 if I was guessing 10 people. 
to pick well, teams. Especially, especially when we've been going through this for yeah, you know, a number of weeks here with it was many. But if you if you were to see the top forty five groups, they're significantly different. They are. Interesting. There is there is some regional, you know, I don't want to call it bias, but there is some regional selection that goes on that's pretty interesting. So I, I still got a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> here's one. I'm asking this one for a friend. Okay. All right. Is the margin of victory that big of a deal or not? <laughs> Does that matter much? <laughs> it, 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 this is this is what my standard answer is going to be, Chris. When you're comparing team A to team B, and let's say um, they're close and they both lost to that team, it could, it could. I don't. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a. Um, obviously, it's not a. Um, uh, one of the pieces that we look at, but when you start narrowing it down to the nitty gritty, that that conversation could come up. Okay, um, Matt, I got a question for you. The yeah. is it straight numeric, or is there room for someone to say, "Well, I saw that team play that team, and I thought they were good." You know, I thought yes. this team was better. That's that absolutely that that's the discussion based. Within the ten people in the room, yes. Is that doesn't um, mean that doesn't mean that's the re- again. These ten people are all voting on what they think is right, right? It's it's not a perfect science numerically. I know that there's always been talk about you know wins in the top fifty, results in the top fifty, and things like that, and 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 those become important. Um, but I guess the question I have for you is if one team has three wins in the top 15, the other one has two, but the two win team has, let's say a much better strength of schedule. Does one outweigh the other? I think quality wins is the number one factor. Is the, it'd be my answer. But I also think that you could say a team, okay, they may have two top 25 wins, and no top 50 wins, and, and, and another team may have four top 50 wins, then they become close. But I, again, Chris, I think that the, the thing that people don't understand is we don't we, – we compare them together in groups. So, you know, a team, for example, like a team that is 25 and a team that is 50 is probably not going to be compared. Even though the team at 50 might have three or four wins, yeah, the team at yeah. 25 isn't being compared to that team. Right. You follow me? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And when you say top 50 wins, are they results against teams already in the field? Say when it gets down to the bump. Is it results against other at-large teams or top 50 wins? Because there's always – there's plenty yeah. of teams in the top 50 are nowhere near getting in. <laughs> There's not plenty, Brian. First of all, but there are some. There are some. So I think that's well, where it gets say three or four. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So I think that's where it gets really tricky for the committee. But again, what I can promise you and anybody that's listening is that this is dissected so minute, minute, minutely. Good word, Chris. Um, it took a while, but you got it. <laughs> no one. You're not. We're not going to miss a beat on this. Where the committee is going to have an opinion on why teams get stuck. I I truly believe. And and when when um, Chad Miller was in this, the, my the guy from Western Carolina who I replaced, and then when Todd Young who replaced him, 
they have all said, and I agree, we get the right 64 teams. We do. We get the right 64 teams based on the criteria. But the tournament itself is is, is not seeded um, 1 through 64 properly. It was last year, or pretty close. But it's not seeded properly because of the, the, the ramifications that the NCAA puts on us for you know, distance and travel and flights and all that stuff. Well, it's good to see that you guys all think you're doing such a great job. <laughs> we, I, I, I feel very confident in that we are doing a very good job on selecting the teams, Chris, the at-large teams. I think you do too, Matt. I do. Th- I think there are some people who might argue, but I, yes, I think sure. you do do a good job. It, it, listen, the effort is there. Yes. The effort to get it right is there, no doubt. Yeah. You have 10 people that have given up a full weekend to sit in a room for hours on end to try and get it right. Yeah. But well, you you also have the you have the people out there that say, oh well, so and so beat so and so and so and so, but they don't want to talk about the tie they had or the loss they had or or whatever or the strength of schedule. I mean, the, the strength of schedule piece is what people don't understand is a massive piece of this, right? So I was looking at a team um, today, right, that had a strength of schedule of like. 186 and they're they're probably in the field easily but they played 11 teams 148 and below chris yeah 148 and below so anybody that's in this field is going to go 11 and 0 yeah against those teams right if you if you can't beat those teams you're not going to get in the tournament so yeah. they're going to go so this team has like 15 wins well 11 of those are are they really wins Brian? they don't count no no, no they they're not you know, here's what I've always thought, and no one asked me, but I'll, I'll tell you what I've always thought. The, the wins over, there should be a number where those wins are removed from your record. <laughs> and there are 215. Yeah. We, yeah. Anybody under consideration over, two, let's just say over 200, 180, you're not losing any of those games. So, yeah. the, the, I mean, the little records are like whatever 0-1. Maybe there's a draw somewhere every year. So if you just took out those games, people a people would stop playing them. But yeah. um, well, the RBI would be different records. too. The RBI well, well, would I, be different. Yes, but I also think this. I also think this though. That's why there's a strength of schedule. Like a, a very predominant team a number of years ago <clears throat> didn't get in with a, the right RPI, and they had some wins, but they they were right at the end. Their strength of schedule knocked them out. Okay, it's a factor. It's a factor, and it should be. It, it's really it's the it's the non it's the non-conference number that's even more important because those are the ones you have control over right i have the mid-major guys screaming all the time we don't control who we play in the conference we can't control who we play in conference i get that argument i also have a problem i have a fundamental problem with that because sure you don't get to choose who you play but yet your road to getting it and automatic qualifier is a lot easier than a power fives road who has to play a lot better teams just to get in their conference tournament than try and win their conference tournament is harder. So I get that argument, but I think there's two sides of it. Yeah, I, 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 agree, I, look, I agree. I would, I agree with you, but you're going to, you're going to have a hard time selling me about how hard it is to be a power five team as you get on your charter flight and, uh, you know, fly in and out without a problem while some of us are stuck for three days. You know, you know, Chris, our flights some, get canceled. Okay. Sometimes, Chris, sometimes those charter flights get broken down too, and we have to wait. Okay, there's sometimes we have issues with those too. But yeah, okay, anyway. rich man problem. All right. 
Okay. Um, we're going to talk more tournament here in a minute. Um, but Matt, you're going to have to step out of that because we're going yep. to talk uh, specific teams. But um, let's go through the, the the big results, and then we'll then we'll turn on we'll turn our uh, attention back to the tournament. Um, so big results from the week: Alabama one, Auburn zero, Florida State one, Virginia one, and uh, and I believe that wins Virginia the the ACC. Uh, Memphis five, SMU zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, Chris. I just like the way you pre- presented it. And then That's Memphis all. two, UCF zero. What a good a good week for Memphis. LSU with the big upset of Arkansas four two. UCLA one, Stanford zero, Santa Clara one, BYU zero. Wake Forest upsets Duke two to one. Michigan again over Penn State three to one. Clemson with a big big win three to two over Notre Dame. USC comes from behind to beat Stanford three to two. And kind of a shocker from yesterday, TCU and Iowa State, 0-0. TCU goes through on penalties, but the result is a draw. Any thoughts, Brian? Um, you know, I watched the TCU-Iowa State game, and that, you know, that's knockout tournament soccer, and Iowa State did a great job of packing it in and getting the penalties, but then they looked like they hadn't shot a penalty in over yeah. a year during the actual penalties. So it kind of was a little bit of a wah wah. I thought, I thought they were going to be ringing them in the corners maybe yeah. celebrating. Um, but it, you know, it's the first dose of tournament soccer, but um, over the last week or two, I think we've seen a lot of teams back in their way out of the NCAA tournament, the bubble shrinking, not because teams are playing well, because they're playing themselves right sure. off the bubble. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the huge wins to clinch conference championships, Virginia, uh, what a great accomplishment for those guys. Uh, Somebody's, somebody on this podcast has been a big fan of Virginia for a long time. Oh, they have. Ooh. I can't think of who it is. I can't think of who it is. Um, can I, I'd like to say something, Chris, if, I, if you don't mind. No, no uh, I prefer you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, knowing the Pac-12 doesn't have a conference tournament, and I know there are plenty of people that are against conference tournaments but it is pretty fun to watch we were watching the games last night um and the you know you had two two dramatic games in the sec to start it's pretty it's i think it's it awesome is. i think it's yeah. great i think it's great for the players and i think it's something to cheer like you, you look at these these uh, pac-12 teams and again other teams that don't have tournaments you know, and they're playing regular games this doesn't have near the, the excitement of a tcu iowa state in overtime going to yeah penalties. yeah i will but, say that my team was uh very excited to win the quarterfinal yesterday. They were yeah. extremely excited. Yeah, awesome. Well, and and uh, isn't it interesting to see teams do well year to year in their tournaments? You notice Iowa won yeah. again. Yeah. And yeah. LSU won again. LSU wow. won for the SEC last year and then won a couple of games in the tournament. And yeah. here they go again yesterday. Uh, it's, yeah. it's very interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. Brian, here's what I'd like to do. I want to talk a little bit about uh, selection, uh, who we think is in, who we think is out, uh, with the caveat of there are still games to play. And so, you know, what it looks like today is is not exactly what it's going to look like next week. However, there aren't that many games left to play. You know, there are fewer and fewer games every day. And so we're getting closer and closer to, to nailing this thing down. So uh, the, way I, the way I went – went through this was I looked at it as uh, there'll be 33 at large bids. 
Um, so I looked at the top 33 in, in the current RPI. There were 10 conferences represented in that top 33. So 43 is the RPI number that we're looking at. You know, teams that are, uh, if it were straight RPI, uh, teams that are in the top 43 would get, um, would get the automatic bids. So in your opinion, as you look at the top 43, is there anybody in the top 43 that you think does not get an at-large bid? That definitively does not. Um, if you're going to take somebody outside of 43, you got to take somebody out, out who's inside of 43. What are you doing with the teams like Samford? Who are you calling them a league champion when you got to the 43? You know, Samford's 37. You just you just threw a, a wrench in my plan here, Brian. Um, <laughs> I think we probably with someone like Samford, Samford that adds another conference, right? So yeah, so it would probably, actually go to you probably would make it to go to 44, yeah. 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 You know, and that because that's a different conversation. You know, right. you take like a Stanford sitting there in 37. You know, if, but they, if they lose, lose Herman, how far are they going to drop? If they lose, they're going to drop pretty good. So, yes. yeah, you would you would think they have to win. But so you would, yeah. yes, in, in the you'd say 44 because that's the next. Okay. That okay. adds one. Yeah. Well, let's start with 44. Colorado is not 500 and they don't have a top 50 win. So they are 500 though. They're seven, seven, three. Okay. I thought they were a game below, Yeah, but they don't have a top 50 win. There's nobody left to play. That's going to give them a top 50 win. Okay. So Colorado's out for, that would be a first if a team that looked like that made it and who would I take instead of them? Yeah. I think, I think, you know, who I would take number 47, no, I, take, I would take, you know, number I, I see 53 there, Rice. And when I watch this play, I don't always think we're 53 <laughs> by any stretch. But yeah. no, I would take 47 Houston. It's okay. where I would take too many good wins in a great conference and finish second. Yeah. Um, but that would be the first team below okay. I would move up. You got one? Um, not really. Um, <laughs> you know, t- teams that. I think Houston sure would be, would be my, my first choice. You know, what's interesting is you get to these, uh, even if you get way up in this thing, you know, the Ivy league group, like, what do you do with this Ivy league group? You'd have three, all three of them are in. Well, I think Princeton and Brown are clearly in Harvard is the real question. You know, the, they lost to Princeton, lost to Brown, and they don't have a result either. And there certainly have been teams in the top 20 historically without results who don't get in the tournament. Yeah. So history would say you don't like their chances. But to me, the issue is start looking at below Colorado, 44. Or, or it, who's coming in for them not to go out? Right now, I'd make an argument. If I already took Houston, I'd probably take Oregon as well. Um, but the, shoot, Oregon's fifty-one. Yeah, it's they, a long. Uh, that's you know the the what's the lowest team that's ever been in? Is it fifty-seven, Matt? I think you can answer that question. Is it fifty-seven? I, I don't know that answer. That's I feel like that's the number we always beat around, but I don't know if that's that's I, right. 
I think it's actually like 53 or 54. I think I always think it's 57. It's more like 53, 54, but I could be wrong. No, I but think it, it was it was Auburn one year. I, I remember it was Auburn up there pretty high. I think it was Auburn like six out of seven years at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but, what about, uh, but, what about, I mean, this is really up there, but what about UCF at 57? I, I, they are, they're 57 and they're done playing, right? Correct. So usually when you're done playing, you're not done dropping. <laughs> so by the time the tournaments finish, you know, they could be 60. The resume is great though. I mean, Penn State, Ole Miss, Texas, yeah. and certainly, you know, what a schedule. And I, and I doubt the numerics add up to the actual schedule they play. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever their strength schedule rating is. Um, I clearly think they should be right there on the bubble. But in the end, here's the thing with the RPI people forget. The RPI is a mathematical equation that reflects the criteria that are used to choose teams for the NCAA tournament. So the reason when the bids come out, they're so RPI oriented and come pretty close to the RPI is because the RPI's math formula that reflects the criteria they use to choose the teams. Yeah. So set up for it. Yeah. It's set up for it. Of course it does. So, yeah. you know, when they get to nitty gritty and grinding through these things, your RPI really can be too low. And it, it's kind of looking like that's where central Florida's headed. Um, but I, I don't see a lot of teams in, you know, between them. I see central Florida. I see, Oregon, I see Houston, I see Georgia, maybe with a snowball's chance, uh, but their strength to schedule is not going to be great, specifically their non-conference strength to schedule. Um, and then, you know, there's teams who's got who to play still. Most yeah. of these teams outside don't have many, you know, many chances to go up. Cal's got Stanford. West 16. Virginia's got Texas. West Virginia's got Texas. You know, I think that win would probably put them in the field, don't you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, I'm looking at that back end of it. You're right. I mean, there's not – now, there are teams in the front end of it that, you know, Alabama, for example, they lose. They maybe drop some. Yeah. Um, Clemson, probably not, right? Clemson not, played no. Virginia. Yeah, play Virginia. Yeah. No, Somebody could sneak up if, if Furman beat Sanford. Uh -huh. Sanford might drop all the way to like 50. So right. someone, everybody's going up a notch. Someone could sneak up and get a better look. But you no, know, even the, you know, 48, 49, 50, Gonzaga, Grand Canyon, Wilmington, they've had great seasons, but they don't have not results. Gonna happen. Not going to so, happen. No. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to get in. Um, so it does seem pretty straightforward. And if anything, it goes to the Harvard question is I think that the, my opinion is the bubble's going to be too weak and Harvard's numbers are too strong and Harvard's going to get in without a win. Yeah. It's something we never see. I uh, mean, as we sit here and look at it and we look at those teams above 44, I'd have to agree with you. There's just not, there's just not a lot there. There's not a lot there. Nope. Now, well, Houston, Houston playing Memphis, if they win, obviously they're going to jump and, and be in that 44. If they lose, they're probably not. They're probably not going to drop too much with Memphis at thirty-eight. Um, you know, no, you wouldn't think. But even two, three, four spots, it's not good. No, you don't want to be fifty, right? You don't. No, you, you don't. Yeah. The numbers are the numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, and the one thing with Harvard, Harvard also comes down to the eye test. And any of the committee members who've seen them play, and they got players. They're yeah, they got good players. They are, they, I mean, to me, they're clearly an NCAA level team and 
you know, might advance a few rounds right. if, if they get in. So it, it, they're probably the trickiest team this year for the committee. So yeah. we'll see see what they do. West Virginia beats Baylor. They're, they're, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, West Virginia beats Texas. That's right. going to be interesting. So I don't see that. I don't see it happening. But yeah, if it does happen, oh, if it does Texas happen. is on fire. Do you see Byers hot? They are playing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Trinity is 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 tearing it up as as we all knew she would. It just took a little time to took her a little time to get going. Oh boy! Oh, in uh, early season, we scouted them before we played them. I it, she finishes those nine out of ten. She could have twenty goals. And yeah, I think she got eleven or twelve, but twenty yeah, was with reach. Yeah, uh, I mean, she's on twelve, and and I think Lexi is on nine or ten. So, yeah, uh, all right. But yeah. I, I don't see much else in this, Chris. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's do our uh, upsets of the week. Oof. I think we may have some uh, similar ones here, but anybody want to go first? Well, I'll, I'll go, go first. first. Been, oh, can uh, I go first, Brian? Can I? Go you first? got Matt. You know you go first every week on this, but yes, you can go first. <laughs> Hi, You're, Brian. You want to go first? You can go first. Well, be no, that no, guy. No. I wrote down, no, no, I'll go second. You go first. It always goes you, me, Chris. We'll just keep right, yours. Let's do it. Yeah. Go, Matt. Iowa State, big draw Ooh. against TCU, hanging in there. It's too bad they couldn't, couldn't have finished it out, but that's a really good draw for them. Was that yours, Brian? No, that was not mine. That In the tournament, if you lose on penalties, you can't call that an upset. If they'd <laughs> won on the penalties, they were crying after the game. No one on Iowa State was like, oh, what an upset. We tied them. They just went. Their season ended. It was a crushing blow. Yeah, Matt. Why would you pick that one? I can't believe you picked that one. <laughs> I like it. Iowa State, my upset of the week. All no right. problem with it. All right. Uh, they were TCU was seven. Iowa State was two hundred and something. <laughs> yeah, like two seventy nine. Two seventy nine. Yeah. It it listen. It didn't feel like a draw to the coach or the players. Is that Matt fan in there? When once that it it was exciting that they made it to penalties, but the season still ended. <laughs> Could have been great. Go ahead. Teach, go with yours. You know what, Matt? Teach their own. You say tomato, I say tomato. There you go. Good. Right. Uh, all right. I'll take Alabama over Auburn, just because the seismic things it does for West and the program. You know, Chris talking the numbers there, and that win put them at forty three, right on the number to make the NCAA tournament. They probably got a good enough win. Um, they could really use one more, yeah. uh, you know, tomorrow. But uh, a big, big win for Wes. Okay. Uh, I took LSU over Arkansas. Um, this was uh, – we have been saying for weeks that Arkansas is rolling to an undefeated SEC season. And LSU – pulled it off and ended it for him. And, and I don't, I don't think anybody expected that, especially LSU has just been so up and down. You don't know what you're going to get out of them, but when they're good, they're really good. And, and, and they can beat people for sure. So uh, let's, LSU, let's talk about yeah. LSU's eight days of beat South Carolina for nothing, lose to Florida for nothing, beat Arkansas for two, and then just one last night in penalties over uh, Georgia. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Crazy. 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 Crazy 10 days, I guess. 
All right. Okay. Team of the week. I'm going with my sleeper pick for the Big Ten, Michigan. Two weeks in a row, or back-to-back weeks, knocking off Penn State. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. Matt Motts, Motti, and the Rico Show's pick for Team of the Week. Michigan yeah, that's Wolverines. a good one. Good for them. Thank you. Good for that's them. a good, good one. I got, yep. I got a question for you. In this serious question, is this the first time in the Big Ten someone's had better players than Penn State? In a long time, yeah. Listen, yeah. and I know Rutgers won the league. Yeah. But in Michigan, they have some players. They Whoa. have a team. Yeah. They could they do sure something in the NCAA tournament. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who you got, Matt? Uh, Brian, who you got? Uh, my team of the week is um, Wake Forest. Yeah. But, uh, that win over Duke really legitimized their season. Their non-conference schedule wasn't that tough. Uh, they probably had enough wins already to get into the NCAAs, but in terms of really legitimizing them as a team that might win a couple games in the tournament, I thought they did that this week. Good for Tony. They look good against Duke. I, you know, I, they deserve to win the game against Duke. I watched that game. Mm-hmm. They, they deserve to win it for sure. My team of the week is no surprise. It's Memphis. <laughs> I mean, Memphis <laughs> – Five zero and then two zero over uh, UCF. In those two games, they outshot two teams that have done pretty well. They outshot those two teams fifty to four. That wow. is a team of the week, right there. <laughs> so I think that's like, to Memphis. That sounds like a team I don't want to play this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very impressive. Very, very impressive. No question about it. Okay, Matt. Yeah. We're good. All right. Um, Brian, thank you very much. Give us a hey, – give us a quick uh, Conference USA tournament update, please, from Boca Raton. You can be like a roving reporter. Well, I will give you a roving reporter. Uh, I was at the first game. So, Conference USA's 10-team tournament, just like the SEC, six buys. Uh, four teams play to, to get into the quarterfinals. And and really tonight we have FAU, Charlotte, and North Texas playing in this first round, three of the traditional powers in the league. And upstart UTSA, Derek Pittman's done a great job. And in the first game, Pittman's fighting road runners. I like to say beep, beep <laughs> when I see them. They're not crazy <laughs> about it, but I, I find it funny. Um and tonight it was beep beep all around all around. They upset North Texas one 0 in the first wow. round. Um, you kind of a horrible ending for North Texas. A very unfortunate on goal, where hmm. typical falls cross kids running back toward her own goal and she just smashes it in the upper ninety. No no UTSA <laughs> kid anywhere around her. And then early on FAU was up one 0 on Charlotte. I haven't seen the latest score, but and then you know one thing I think about our tournament super balanced. Any of the the eight teams that make it to Wednesday could win. That's for sure. Okay. All right, Chris, All right. we've got the uh, SEC tournament is in full swing. We had two upsets last night where um, who won the, oh, uh, Florida won the first game in a penalty kick shootout over Vanderbilt. And then um, LSU won the second game. And, hey, how to use video review. We talked about that earlier in the, in the year, right? They used yeah. video review. It looked like LSU had scored in the very last second. But they have a very clear picture of zeros on the clock and the ball not in the goal. 
So LSU then did come back and beat them in penalties, in Georgia in penalties. So uh, the the uh, it's set for tomorrow. Tennessee plays um, Tennessee plays Florida in the first game, then Ole Miss and Alabama in the second game, and then Arkansas LSU a little rematch from a week ago in game three, and then Auburn and South Carolina is the fourth game in the quarterfinals here in beautiful Orange Beach. Sounds good. What's the AC? We had two games yesterday. Uh, SMU beat East Carolina 2-1. to one. And as we mentioned, Memphis beat UCF 2-0. So it's the semifinals and finals we played in Tampa at USF. Uh, the first match is uh, Memphis and Houston, which should be quite a good game. And then uh, SMU and USF in the – in the uh, second match, uh, the the late match, and then the final will be on Sunday at at noon. Um, did you guys know the uh, Sun Belt Conference is a nine team tournament? That's an interesting one. So, so they have eight nine. plays nine in the first round. I guess yes. I think that's yeah. how they did it. Yeah. yeah. Is that because everybody makes it, or did some? I teams think so. Make it? Uh, yeah. I think everybody makes it. Maybe. But yeah, yeah, nine teams. Me and me and Coach Thompson were giving BB a hard time telling us he goes, I think it's nine. And we're telling him so stupid, BB, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not top nine. There's no way there's nine, 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 nine. We're calling him an idiot. BB can count. BB can count. All right, Brian. Good luck tomorrow. Or sorry, Wednesday. We'll be cheering for you. Yeah, go we'll for it, Brian. Next week. Yeah. All right. Good luck, fellas. See you. Okay. See you. All right, Chris, excited to bring in our next guest in the um, long line of successful coaches. Paul Jobson from Baylor University is here with us. Paul, welcome to College Soccer Nation. Guys, thanks for thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problem. And what we like to do, Paul, is we always like to start with, uh, I think one of the most interesting things our listeners like to hear about is coaches' paths. So how did you get um, to Baylor, uh, you know, a number of years ago? I know you guys have been there a long time, but Kind of talk us through the path to getting uh, from where you started and now to Baylor. Well, I had the had the pleasure of playing college soccer for the legendary Ralph Polson at Presbyterian College, and uh, I played for him for three years. And after my junior year, I decided that uh, I'd had enough playing soccer, and uh, he convinced me to stay on and help a little bit with the team. And uh, actually, wrote me into coaching by saying, "Hey, there's this group of kids that." in the community that if they don't have a coach, they can't play soccer. Will you do it? And he knew I was a sucker for, for kids. So my first coaching gig was a group of nine to 12 year old kids in Clinton, South Carolina, boys and girls that we drove to, uh, I think it was Spartanburg, South Carolina to play games on the weekend. They're nine years old to 12 years old, boys and girls playing U 12 boys soccer. So quite a start to, to coaching and, uh, Fell in love with it uh, right away, and uh, knew that would be definitely a hobby for me, uh, for my for for my career, but never thought of it as a profession, you know. And it was, it was a hobby. I, I had some other quote quote real jobs and uh, coached youth uh, clubs on the side. Um, became a director of a couple programs in Atlanta. That's where I'm from, and then. Met my wife while I was working for the Atlanta Beat, the first in the WSA, the first women's professional league, uh, under the direction of Tom Stone, who we all know at Texas Tech. Um, so met Marcy there, and uh, we ended up getting married 
and did the thing that everybody says not to do. Don't get married, uh, move and change jobs all at the same time. And we did that all within three months. We got married. Uh, she got offered the head coaching job at Northern Illinois University and uh, somehow uh, convinced our AD that I should be her assistant. And uh, so two youngsters with relatively no college coaching experience other than being volunteers at our own colleges. Marcy, of course, was at SMU uh, as a volunteer for a bit. Um, but so that was our first gig. Uh, as soon as we got the job, she got called into the national team for the first time, I think at like 32 years old. Uh, so two coaches at Northern, uh, one spent three months out of the year in uh, L.A., and I stayed back in the wintry uh, Illinois weather coaching the team. Marcy always says, Paul, I don't remember the, the, the winters being very cold in Illinois. I'm like, yeah, because you were in L.A. during the winter. That's why. <laughs> Um, we were there for three years, turned a program around from the bottom of the, the Mid-American Conference to uh, one of the top couple teams in the MAC, uh, and then got the call from Baylor, uh, out of, honestly out of nowhere, and uh, came down, took a visit, and just knew, man, if they offer, we basically we were on the plane leaving saying that whoever they offer this job to is sitting on a great opportunity, you know, right right in, in Texas, you know, between Dallas and Austin, close enough to Houston. Uh, and we knew enough about the talent in Texas that we felt like something special could happen there. Uh, and that's, that's how we got there. That's how I got into coaching. That's how I, how we ended up at Baylor and just, uh, in our 14th season now. So it's crazy to think we've been here that long. Yeah. Wow. A great fit too. Uh, just, you know, knowing you guys at Baylor, I think is a, a great fit for you and your family for sure. Um, I want to ask you, um, you can tell me to shut up if I, if I ask you this one and you don't like it. Okay. okay. Uh, I want to ask you about the game last night after watching the game last night. Sure. <clears throat> um, I thought it was a very even game. Uh, I thought that uh, it took a, you know, one moment of brilliance from, uh, from Delari to, to win it. Um, but I really thought you guys played pretty well and, and, and battled and, and that kind of thing. But, for me, the probably the the turning point in the game, and 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 tell me if you agree, is when when Taylor Moon goes out of the game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, she's a a big piece of what we do in the attack, and you know, was really starting to get into her own groove in the game. You know, sometimes with your attacking players, it can take them a minute to, a minute to kind of figure out their defenders, and she was really just starting to get into a groove and and getting some opportunities in the attack and and. Yeah, losing her was was tough uh, for sure. But I, I I felt really good about how our team played. We competed, I thought, really really well. And it took a, it took a, a fantastic goal. Um, it was going to take a great goal from either team, right? Two good yeah. defensive teams, two really good goalkeepers. Um, that's what it was going to take to to win that game. And um, whichever team got that opportunity was the one that was going to win because both of us are going to be able to capitalize. Both really really good teams and. They got it and they did it. So, uh, you know, congrats to them. But yeah, I thought it was a great game. But yeah, that, that's a turning point when you lose one of your top top players. It can be tough to. I thought our girls battled after it. Just you, you sure. a little bit. Um, yeah. No, I. I mean, I, I. I thought it was going to penalties. I mean, it, it looked to me like it was. It was going to penalties, like you know the other couple of games had. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of you know felt like that was the mo for the for the Big Twelve on the on the night was going to be penalty kicks. So. Yeah. For sure. You know, Paul, it's always like Chris asks the jerk questions. That's kind of how he rolls. So just <laughs> so you know what's coming next after that. But I want to ask you about, it kind of leads into what you guys are talking about, but kind of Baylor's reputation as being a really strong, aggressive defensive team. Is that 
it, obviously it's by design to some level, but is that what you want them to be? Is that what you feel like the players you can get? Like, what's the philosophy behind, you know, years and years of really good defensive teams? Well, I mean, if you know, if you know Marcy well enough you and you knew her as a player, a lot of it comes from her, her personality of being a, a tough, uh, mentally tough, physically tough, you know, defensive center midfielder, great in the air, um, wasn't going to be your most technical player, but was going to, going to win every 50-50 battle was going to be hers to be won and you're going to have to fight through her to get to get anything uh so that mentality and her being a great defender and then chuck cod who been part of our program you know we brought him down from northern with us you know he's always joked he's known marcy longer than i have uh coached her when she was a little bit younger so uh, and he was a great defender as well so that mentality comes just from who we are and i think teams teams really do uh kind of mimic you know, their, their coaches and their, their personalities. So the other part of it was necessity. I mean, you guys knew Baylor before we got to Baylor. Uh, it, it was, you know, I think they'd had nine or 10 losing seasons in a row. There wasn't much of a mentality of, uh, of fighting and scrapping and, and not, not, no history really of winning since, since Randy was here. Um, so we knew we had to change our culture and we had to do it with uh, good kids, but not great soccer players. So we had to recruit athleticism, uh, and we were going to be defensive first, and we knew that if we could defend well, we'd be in every match. And if you go back and look at the early days, I mean, 1-0, 1-1, you know, was, was the MO. And I think, you know, like this year, we're, we had six ties this year. We had a ton of ties early in our career at Baylor also just because we were just trying to be in game. So we'd defend a ton, and we'd launch it. I mean, honestly, we were the kick and run team for a number of years. And I think we still have that identity. That's who people think we are, even though I think we're pretty technical now. We can shift the point. You know, before a game not too long ago, somebody's like, man, are you guys passing the ball now? Like, what's going on? I'm like, come on, really? Uh, so it, but we are who we are. And, yeah, we're not going to, you know, we're definitely going to play hard. That's one piece of who we are we don't want to lose is we get and have gotten better and better soccer players. We don't want to lose the edge that we have uh, to be – uh, mentally, mentally and physically tough. Yeah, that might have been me who said that. I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it may have been a conversation between you and Chuck. Maybe yeah. it may have been a pregame, a pregame earlier in the year. Even though that seems like three years ago when we played you, Chris. Um, yeah, I, I, and I wanted to, to to talk about that a little more because in, now, in in playing you and and, and watching you over the, the last couple of years. There has been a little bit, a, a bit of a shift in your team. The, the team is certainly uh, not as as direct, and and you do you certainly still have that that in you. But you know, it it is a team that's passing the ball some, and 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 there are players that are more creative players. And you know, I think of uh, the little one in midfield, Mueller. Is that her name? Yeah, Gabby Mueller. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a nice player she is, right? And and so. You know, the, the team has taken a different, a little bit of a different look. So tell me about that that evolution and 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 how that goes because i think sometimes one of the things that happens is you know kids get stuck in between a little bit you know like which which way do i go what do i do that sort of thing what's the you know what does the coach want me to do you know that kind of thing absolutely and when you're trying to evolve as a program uh it's tough when you kind of have the reputation of being a certain way and then you're trying to recruit a player that can help us be a little different they're not going to be attracted to to, the, to that program, right? So you've got to recruit even a little bit harder to kind of cast a vision again of what you want your team to be. And I, I want to be a team that can do both. You know, when it's when somebody's playing a high back line, can we can we expose that space in behind and play more direct? If they're going to lay off, can we combine in front? Can we switch the point of attack quickly to offset defenders? 
you know, I want us to be more than just a one-dimensional team, which, you know, in the early days we were very one-dimensional. It was like, get it forward. But we also press too. So if we can get the ball in behind and, and press and pin teams in, it's to our advantage as well. Again, def- not, you know, people think defensive teams are just your back line. We're going to defend. Our forwards know how to defend also uh, close to, to the other goal. So, you know, recruiting those players, it goes back to even, uh, you guys remember the little Brazilian we had, uh, Alini, Alini, a couple of years ago in our run in 17 and 18, the JUCO national champion that we brought in, All-American. She was kind of the start of that, and it's hilarious. She came in the first day of practice. Um, we were in our indoor because of bad weather, and uh, she does a bicycle kick uh, on, like, the first play, and everybody just stopped. I was like, okay, Coach, who is this, and what? Yeah. You know, where did she come from? Uh, and she's playing passes that girls aren't even thinking about, and we just tell Alini, hey, keep playing them because they'll figure it out eventually that that's where the ball is going to go. So you bring in players like that, and then the players around them start to get better, and they learn uh, how to play. And then you bring in, you know, with her, you're able to recruit a, a Gabby Mueller, uh, who's a fantastic little player that, you know, she's got three players on her, and you just think, okay, she's either going going down because she's going to get whacked, or she's just going to lose the ball, and next thing you know, she's out. And uh, just a lot, of fun to, to, a lot of fun to watch. It's awesome. Um, all right, let's change gears just a little bit about the league. So obviously some changes coming in the Big 12. You've got some teams leaving. You've got some teams coming in. What's your opinion on the future of the soccer in the Big 12? Are you excited about it? Are you nervous about it? What, what do you think about uh, the Big 12 and, and, the so- and what the soccer um, programs are going to look like? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, I, you know, having BYU in, in the in the conference, I think, is a fantastic thing. We had the opportunity to go up and play them a couple of years ago. That environment is just – it's amazing. It's a great environment. I mean, you're a visitor, right? It's not your home crowd. But for your girls to see that kind of environment and, and get uh, the soccer culture um, is, is an amazing thing to see. So I uh, welcome them. I think they're going to be a great ad, uh, as well as UCF. I mean, it's a great, a great program. Um, uh, you know, Houston, I think Diego is doing a great job building that program up. I think they're going to be a great, a great ad. And then Cincinnati and they're on the rise too. So I think, I think those four taking over for, uh, Texas and OU, I think honestly, as a whole, probably makes us stronger as a soccer conference. Uh, that's no disrespect to Texas or OU. I mean, we got beat by OU last week and tied Texas. It's not a disrespect to either of those clubs, but I think as a whole, as a conference, as far as soccer is concerned, I think we have an opportunity to be maybe a better soccer conference um, than, than where we stand right now. And I, I, I welcome the better teams. I, I've never yeah. wanted to want to sit in a conference where we're just kind of idling by and, you know, we're power five just by name. I, I mean, this year is a very down year for the Big 12, and I, and I know we're all frustrated by it. Uh, so welcome, welcome yeah. the better teams. You'll be back for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have a uh, a unique experience that, I don't. I can't think of anybody else in college soccer. Uh, I don't think they've done what you've done. You've taken over the job from your wife, <laughs> right? So I know that if it were me, my wife would be telling me everything that I was doing wrong <laughs> as I was coaching the team. Did but anybody say that, that wasn't happening? Did, he, did somebody say that wasn't happening? I mean, just assuming, Chris, that Marcy's not – Still coaching the team. <laughs> Marcy is a, a strong personality as well. Yes. <laughs> so, but tell me about that transition. What was that like? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are shocked that we even work together to begin with. You know, I always get, hey, how do you how did you work with your wife? I'm like, you know, I, 
I think God put us in a position to, to be able to do that. It's exactly what we were called to do. And, you know, we loved it. We loved it and uh, started having kids. And, uh, you know, we have four little boys now and they're, you know, four, seven, nine and 12. But when we made the shift, you know, we, we were just had our third kid and realizing that other people were raising our, our, our children and uh, just knew that that wasn't how we wanted our life to, to be. So we stepped out in faith and went to the AD and said, hey, you know, we, we've got to make a change. And um, our, you know, fortune, our AD was totally on board with it and just kind of, he said, hey, as long as Marcy's involved, you know, I'm good with you taking the leadership role. And so we went from co-head coaches to her being an assistant to, you know, eventually being full-time at home. And uh, the way we transitioned, I thought was really well. She still mentors some of our players that, you know, that's just such a valuable piece that, you know, none of us Joe's here on the call can, can, right. can do with it. We all have, you know, great women in our programs that can, can mentor. Um, but I'm fortunate to have one in my house that can do that too. But um, yeah, it, it was a, it was a really unique thing for sure. Uh, it was definitely uh, great for our family to be able to have that, that transition. And, and yes, I, I, I get a lot of coaching at home um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, some of them, most of the things are welcome. Some, some aren't as much, but we have a great relationship with that. And I'd, I know my role and I know her experience is so valuable, something I, I'm, you know, never had as a player. And of course, none of us ever played women's soccer either. So she's got some valuable things that sometimes I have to make sure I open my ears and listen uh, to what she has to say. What's it? Uh, you, you mentioned your boys. Um, first of all, four boys is that's a handful. <laughs> that is an absolute handful, especially given their ages. But uh, what's it like with them around the team? It must be a, a, a fun environment. It's a blast. I'll tell you what, we, we suffered during COVID not being to have our family, you know, around the team. Uh, my, my kids missed it. You know, I missed it. The, the, the team missed it. So it's been fun kind of getting back to normal in, in that regard, too, where they can come up to the office and run around and um, have fun. They're, they're at the age where they're not even old enough to understand what they have. They're like, doesn't everybody have access to a full-size, beautiful soccer pitch with goals and unlimited soccer balls, cones. Doesn't everybody have that, you know? Yeah. Uh, water bottles, Gatorade, yeah. like, yeah. come on, this is, everybody has this. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, you know, Marcy, well enough, too, she's a perfect boy mom with the amount of energy, yeah. energy she yeah. has. Uh, but, yeah, just around the team, it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot of fun. And it's a, it's a cool way, I think, to – you know, when you, the culture of your program is, you know, we, we emphasize our culture so much. I want part of our culture to be not just a, a soccer family with just players and coaches, but I want them to see how our family interacts and, you know, how life can, how life works, you know, navigating children, navigating being, uh, you know, a dad and, and a husband uh, is, I think, an important thing for these, these college players to, to see too. Awesome. Yeah. So let, let's continue on that staff piece, uh, Paul. And obviously, like you said, Chuck's been with you a long time. And I do have, I, I do have to ask this question. So back when we were at Texas and uh, we're playing you guys every year, I remember watching Paul and warm up, hit these long balls kind of across the field and the defenders were clearing them out. And, and then when Paul would go to the sideline, he'd put ice on both knees as the game started. So is he still doing that? Chuck. still able to oh, strike those Chuck. balls? Yeah. Chuck. 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 Yeah. Chuck. So <laughs> a, a couple things. Uh, he kicked so many balls early early on in his career that we had to we had to get a little hip surgery for him. Oh. Uh, so so we, we could get him back out there kicking more soccer balls. And then at one point, we bought a ball machine to actually I remember serve, that. serve I remember the balls that. for him. 
Uh, and now we've worked it out to where we've got, you know, like, hey, Chuck, you know, we can have our, our girls service balls now. They can yeah. actually kick balls across the field pretty accurately. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we've, we've gone there. But, yeah, he, his knees were so bad that, yes, he would come off the field, ice them up. I mean, yeah. he was he was a great example to our athletes of recovery. You know, hey, yeah. they get in the ice bath. Put the, you know, he, you know I'm not going to tell you to do something I'm not going to do myself. Chuck's like, yeah. hey, pack up on the ice packs just like me, you know. <laughs> So, but Chuck's great. Um, I mean, you guys know having assistants you can trust is man. It, it's second to none when it comes to having assistants. And and Chuck has been, you know, obviously one of the best and just a great, great friend and good, good, good piece of our family. What's your uh, opinion on the on the ponytail? Not a fan. Not a fan <laughs> at all. Uh, when I met Chuck when he first came to work with us at Northern, he had a ponytail, and then I remember he shaved it uh, and had his flat top. Uh, and I remember Charlie, his daughter, who's now, as we all know, a junior in high school, uh, was just a little girl. And I think she cried because she used to play with her daddy's hair and he got the flat top. She cried. And now he's growing it back. And, you know, not not a fan. I like I like the shorter hair, but I don't have a say in his, in his hair. So, um, you know, again, Paul, it's, it's been a wonderful conversation with you. And and uh, I think anybody that listens understands how genuine you are and, and a really good guy and doing this great job. But. I do question your friendship with Todd Yelton and the picker as, a, as an issue to, you know, your credibility really on this show. He gets a lot of play on this show, mainly be, in my, very, very little of it is positive. Chris, you'd say, right? <laughs> knowing that you guys he's a topic friends. every week, somehow, yeah, somehow he, he comes is, up he every week. Some, he does. But anyway, again, that's the question mark I have against you. Well, I mean, I can I can understand. I was trying to keep it a secret, but obviously on this show, nothing about Todd Yeldon is a secret. Poor guy gets talked about every week, evidently. And uh, listen, there's not there's not a better a better dude out there, man, than Todd Yelton. And I'm glad you guys have put together this show as a tribute to him and his career. And uh, you know, he's he's just he is he's he's one of the best. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a mark on all of us, I guess. It, right. it is. It absolutely right. is. All right, Chris. Any more questions? I think I'm good. I've, I've uh, enjoyed this conversation. It's like, it's like any time you have a conversation with Paul, it is an enjoyable conversation. He's uh, very easy to talk to. Um, and, and here's the thing with, with Baylor, that, that, and I say this all the time. The, the people, the coaching staff at Baylor are the nicest people you will ever, ever meet. And then the game starts and their team kicks the crap out of you. And then the game ends and it's like everybody's buddies again. Uh, there's so many teams you could say that. Well, the, the, the game part, maybe not the nice people before and after. Uh, my, my big question, Paul, is has any of your boys challenged Marcy in like a heading contest yet? Because well, she would just still dominate them, I would think. She's still dominating, but don't think we're not training it. We're definitely trying to get. I know what U.S. soccer says about under twelve, but yeah. I, we're of the belief that uh, if you train them properly, they're not going to get hurt. So we're yeah. definitely training it. Uh, they they definitely uh, are challenging a lot of other things, uh, but, yeah. but that piece uh, not quite not quite yet. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listen, take a few minutes and just uh, uh, just sell us on Baylor. I think Chris and I both have a ton of respect for the university and you with the job you're doing. But if you could just give our listeners a few minutes on Baylor. Well, I definitely appreciate that. And, uh, you know, the thing, what people forget is as coaches, you know, for the most part, we were recruited also, right? We forget that, you know, we were recruited to Baylor. 
Uh, and the thing that sold me and Marcy was the fact that it was a Christian institution, you know, and that, that's just right up our alley and something that's important to us is our faith and being able to use that to uh, not just develop soccer players, but to develop young people. And uh, for that, that's a base for us. So the thing that separates us, I think, from any other institution, like those of us that are coaching at, at big schools, we've got great facilities. We've got, you know, you've got the great dormitories, you've got the great staff, you, you know, you've got basically everything at your disposal. And I think the one thing that just really separates us is, uh, you know, the, the faith piece, you know, we've got great academics, great facilities, great athletics, you know, we're the, we're the little school that is, is doing great in, in the athletic uh, arena in every sport. Uh, but the thing that separates us is our faith piece. And I think that when we talk about family and you talk about uh, wanting to grow up and, and, and grow up young people, I want to grow grow them up in a way where they're taking things away from the program when they walk out. Whenever their whenever their career is done, um, whether they're going on, whether whether they're done at the end of college or they're going to play pro and then they're done after, they've got something within them that they're taking from our program that goes deeper and further than uh, the game itself. And we hope that you know not everybody that comes at our school is a Christian, uh, but they know what they're getting into when they come in the door. Um, and we just hope that we're able to instill some amazing values uh, into them that help them through life. You know, our, our hashtag, I guess everybody has a hashtag now, ours is faith, family, football. And uh, we, we hope that uh, it's more of a filter where they're everything, every decision they make, their faith is first, their family, which is their personal family and their soccer family next. And then the football piece takes care of itself if those first two pieces are in order. And then when they're done with football, that is on a rotating block, block. faith, family, uh, job, faith, family, employer, faith, family, employee, faith, family, whatever. But those first two pieces are, are in order and whatever's next will be, they'll be in a good place to, to be a, a great person in their community and impact in a positive way. Really good. Yeah. Really awesome. Good. awesome. <laughs> really well, good. college soccer nation appreciates it. You, you should get a, a, a nice fancy, uh, we're giving away sweatshirts now to anybody that comes on. We are. It's, I heard it was. I heard it was an SMU 2001 camp T-shirt. That <laughs> That's, exactly what, it, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul. Thanks so much for your thanks, time. Thanks, Paul. We appreciate Guys, thanks a ton. I appreciate it. All right. Take yeah. care. All right, Enjoy yeah. the baseball game. Thanks. I will. <laughs> All right, Chris. That was fun talking to Paul. Good guy. Doing a great job there at Baylor, and um, wish him well. Certainly, as uh, as they move forward. Yeah, he did. He did a great job. He was uh, he was on it, you know, and. Uh, He's got a good story, you know. He, he it, does. Certainly, certainly a little bit of a unique path. So that was it was good talking to. And anybody that has ever seen Mercy play, she's a badass. She was a More, badass player. Well, <laughs> I coached her briefly, and I had her a little bit on one of these uh, sports festival teams. And she's the most valuable player on every team she plays on because yeah. you know you don't want to play against her. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go Power Five, right? Power five upsets, greatest sports upsets of all time. No USA hockey of 1980, as everybody thinks that's the biggest one. Okay, that is true. I've got I've got one zinger in here. I got a good oh, zinger, man. Number one. I've got uh, mine is a kind of a personal. It's a personal list. Okay, yeah, I could see some of those being on there for you. All right, let's go. You want to go first? Sure. All right, number number five. Yep. Chelsea over Bayern Munich Champions League final in Munich. Blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> a pretty big upset, five. Matt. That was that a pretty was, big upset. It was. I get it. Yeah. My number five, Georgetown Villanova, 1985. Yeah. I was bad. 15. 
I cried after the game. I'm not gonna lie, I was a huge George Sean Hoya fan. Huge fan. Oh, I'm glad that it hurt. I'm glad it hurt. It did hurt. It did hurt. (laughs) All right. My number four, Leicester City, 2015 Premier League champions. Unbelievable. It's like there's some but that's okay. Well, now wait a second. Is winning a league an upset? Or is do you have to like is it a single game? And that whole season, it was unbelievable how they did. The, their it was. Odds were it so, was. It was. Yeah. I just don't know if it fits the definition. I just don't. I just don't know. I feel like it does. That's why I have it. All okay. right, you're number four. Uh, back to college basketball. NC State over what was it? Phi Slamma Jamma. Yeah, Houston yeah. Houston with yeah, uh, yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler, yeah. and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy B. B running around the yeah. court after after the. Uh, alley-oop slam from Lorenzo Charles. Yes. It wasn't really an alley-oop. The guy shot it. And yeah, it was. So bad. you're right. You're got right. It through it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my fond memories as a child of, yeah. of that, that thing. No. All right. You're number three. My number three. This is, this is an easy one. Giants over the Patriots. Oh, in the Super Bowl, as, as the Patriots are undefeated, <sighs> everybody was, you know, writing them as the greatest team in history. All of that kind of stuff, and little old Eli and the boys whipped up on them like they always do with the Patriots. How do I go whipped up on? Did you hear? Uh, did you hear Peyton say that? Um, but Tom Brady say this week that you know when he went on the Peyton and Eli thing, he yeah. he told uh, Peyton that he enjoyed playing against them, but he didn't enjoy playing against Eli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Uh, that was a that was an unbelievable upset. Really was. I cried after that one too. The <laughs> one. All right, my number three, Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson. Right, huge, huge, huge upset of of all time in in boxing. Mike Tyson was mowing down people. Yep, left and right. Buster Douglas came out of nowhere, knock him off. All right, yeah. my number two. Um, I think it's the only time it's ever happened. Right, UVA over UMBC, sixteen over one. In the men's basketball tournament? Oh, the way around, right? UMBC over UVA. Oh, sorry, UMBC. Yeah, sorry. UMBC <laughs> over UVA. That is the only time the one seed has lost. Yes. Yep. So that's a pretty big upset, I'd say, Chris. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, my number You're two number was Buster two. Douglas over Mike Tyson. So you've okay. you, you hit that one. All right. There you go. Your number, your number one will not be my number one, so go ahead. It will not. And, and no one's number one will be my number one because, again, it's a personal list. It's Notre Dame over North Carolina in 1995 semifinal. North Carolina 45-0 and at home in the NCAA tournament. And uh, the small Catholic school from the Midwest <laughs> pulls off the uh, upset. <laughs> small Catholic school. Oh, that's not a big school. <laughs> it's Notre Dame. It's as big as it gets. Anyway, but no, congratulations, Chris. Well-deserved and fantastic upset. Mine is on a similar level, actually. Very similar level. Oh, God. How about Norwood we both High School? No, Norwood High School, anything. But the LSU fighting Brian Lees in 2018 oh. when four straight games yes. in the beach. A feat most people said could never, could never, never be done. That's right. Couldn't win four in a row. Knocked off Arkansas in the final. Yeah. Um, and a fantastic run here at the beach. I'm here at the beach. So it made me think of it. And that was unbelievable. That's a good one. Yeah, so there's my there's my five. All right, so your five are Chelsea over Bayern Munich, NC State over Houston, Giants over Patriots, Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson, and Notre Dame over North Carolina. All right, mine is Georgetown over Villanova, 
Leicester City's run to the Brevere League, Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson, UMBC over Virginia, and the Fighting Brian Lees of 2018 with the SEC Soccer Championship. All right. Very good. Love it. All right. Here we go. What's here next? we go. Big games this week. Yeah. All the tournaments. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big, tw- Big 12 is playing, SEC, Big 10, ACC, all the other tournaments. All You know, all the leagues are, are having their semifinals, finals, uh, even some quarterfinals going on this week. And then uh, – in the out in the uh, Pac-12, we got UCLA, USC for first place and and winning yeah. the league, which is a big game. So, looking forward to all of these uh, these tournaments. How about USC? By the way, down two nothing to Stanford and came back, beat them three two in overtime. What a yeah, win! Who huh? would have thought it? Uh, and again, this is not the same Stanford. They're still pretty good. No. They're still yeah. pretty good. Yeah, not as dominant as as they were at at one time, but. Uh, yeah, that was a big win for USC and, and sets up uh, just a great game. They'll great game. I'm sure they'll have a huge crowd at that UCLA USC yeah. game, and that should be a fun one for everybody. Awesome, awesome. All right, looking we, forward to this week. Yeah, yeah, just the 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 conference championships and and then the selection on Monday. Selection yeah. on Monday. So I had a question for you about selection. The selection party. Oh, good. More, more questions. I'll no, no. It. The selection yeah, okay. party. You know, you know, you like yeah. parties. Yeah, I do. I do. Nice, nice party. Your team is on the bubble. You don't know yep. if you're in or not, right? Yep. Do you have a watch party, a selection show watch party? Ooh, it's so hard, Chris. Uh, I think if you're squarely on the bubble, how can you? I think you get together with your team in wherever your meeting space is and you watch it. I don't think if unless you feel really, really confident, it's a, that would be a terrible thing. I've never been a part of that of somebody that's had one and not gotten in. Um, so I, I don't know if I would. I think I, I don't think I, I, I would not is what I'm saying. You? I would not. I would not. I think that. Well, you wouldn't have a party anyway. You don't even know. You can't even spell the word party. <laughs> um, I think that uh, the the agony of defeat would be, yes. you know, the despair in the room would just be so hard to take, you know, that. Yeah. If you didn't get in, right? If you yeah, didn't. absolutely. And if you do get if you do get in, then everybody in there is super happy. That's right. right? So that's good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Hard to have a party though. Invite your AD and everybody, and then not get in. That yeah, would that would not be good. Yeah. No. All right, that's it. We are in November. We're in the conference tournaments. Chris, good luck down in Tampa. We'll you be too, Matt. For you. Thank you. Um, thank Darren, our producer, for producing the show and. Hanging in here all day today with the different time frames. We appreciate everything he does for us. DJM Productions. And download his podcast, Cyber Guides. Great podcast. Worth your, worth your listen. We appreciate College Soccer Nation for listening. It's getting really exciting. Best time of year if you're a college soccer coach and getting playing these kind of things is really fun. College Soccer Nation November 1st is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.